0: Welcome to the fourth episode of all 2024 recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong. Join me as always, are the Canadian who we often ask to give us his date of birth just to waste time. Logan Saunders. Good afternoon. And the guy who is the only Australian we know who doesn't travel with "quote unquote" victims, David Bindley. <laughs> the reason that we're kind of laughing already is because we've just um, just been having a nice little chat, and then. Decided we should probably start recording because this was a shit episode.
1: So my suspect list for this week, uh, Anne is my top suspect, <laughs> yeah. uh, Fonz is my second suspect, uh, Rhian is third, uh, Tuska is fourth, uh, Jeroen is fifth, Rosario is sixth, and Keyes has dropped to last as, because of what happened this week and how gullible he was and completely uninvolved with everything. And uh, what, what, what's the update on the on the pool, Michael?
0: Right. So I know I'm trying to avoid hitting all of Fuzzy's bingo squares. And spoilers: this is an episode we are recording less than 24 hours before it's coming out. Thank God it's this one because we've not got a lot to say about it. But I last week deliberately avoided saying we are not a traitors podcast. But I know I've said this a few times this season already, but this has got to be the worst episode we've ever had to podcast about for Mole. Jesus Christ. This was terrible. I think this was
1: probably, because I didn't talk to you guys at all to find, or I didn't read any comments anywhere online about this episode, and I was just watching on my own, and I was thinking, okay, if we find out who comes back before the end of this episode, because I, I just assumed we would find out who would come back. Because once we got over half an hour in, I thought, okay, we're probably not... Because at first I thought, oh, 55 minutes, okay, I like that it's a shorter episode. And uh, and I'm, I, I infamously said at the end of last week, well, at least they'll make, the, make everybody move and not just be sitting down for every challenge. Little did I know that the first challenge was the only one where people moved because for the stacking challenge, it was like a Redemption Island uh, duel with the three people and then the third challenge was just solve you know random brain teasers while sitting in a boat so i thought well i guess i still sat two out of three challenges so there goes uh, there goes my optimism for this episode and i thought okay if we at least if we find out who comes back that gives the episode something since there's no quiz or execution or any of the traditional mole things that makes a mole episode a mole episode and they have it on a cliffhanger. And I, and then that, in my notes, in my final note, was, we don't find out who it is, Jesus Christ, in all caps. And then, er, and then just a few seconds before that I wrote, we must find out who is coming back. Otherwise, this is such a pointless episode.
2: Even the road trip episode last year had an elimination. This was just a complete waste of everybody's time. Never do it again. Don't ever, ever, ever do it again. I'm almost at the point where I want to give this show a Viking funeral. The hilarious thing for me is that if you
0: created an episode of this show that would hit upon everything I hate in any television program, this one would probably be a bullseye. It's a laser-guided missile of bullshit for me, this. Because we obviously have the fact it doesn't end with the tester execution, the mole has to end every episode with the test and or execution, because that's how the fucking show works. Number two, the entire last challenge of this episode is basically just a thinly veiled parody of the 1% Club, which was a shit show that somehow was second in the poll of the year last year, despite being one of the worst experiences of my life having to sit through it. It was tedium infinitum. And then on top of all that, stop bringing people back. They're not the mole. So
1: tell us how you really feel. Nobody was brought back though.
0: (laughs) And the worst thing about it is the fact that because of them doing this twist, there has to either be now a double execution, a final four, or some sort of weird bullshitty cliffhanger going into the finale. There's no way for them to solve it because mathematically it's not possible anymore.
1: I, w- I was thinking just because my my two episodes I always hate the most are the episode with the Czechia twist that was completely brutal. What what was that? Two two people executed right when Josh got executed.
0: Uh, that was just or one. Just but just, just was, Josh. But,
1: it, oh, that was with just really low odds where it was him or Splinter, yeah.
0: right? It was final six, three people safe. None of whom knew who the mole was, and in the bottom three who actually had to do the testing execution, it was Josh and Pikachu and the mole. Both, yeah, and Josh and Pikachu both knew who the mole was, but at
1: least that had some semblance of being a Vidom episode, it was just a brutal twist. In Renaissance, when they had that two episode adventure challenge, that was a double execution, right.
0: Yep, that was was the Adventure Challenge not ending in a test and execution, leading into an immediate double execution, leading into an immediate next execution at the start of the finale.
1: That was with Ron and Patrick going home?
0: Ron and Patrick, and then it also tanked Peggy, who was the only other person who could actually go home in that twist.
1: Right, right, because then that transitioned it right into the Final Four, right okay so because that i always because i remember that i was really negative about that episode when it aired as we all should be but it's still again it still was just a poorly thought out twist but it was still played out like a vidim episode with just poor execution no pun intended here the first challenge Lined up with what a Vidim challenge could be, I, it was just a like. Eh, it, it's a it's not the best challenge. It's not the worst Vidim challenge. It was a market. There was a lot of interaction, a lot of deception there, and then we got the rest of the episode, which I want those thirty minutes of my life back. Uh, I mean, I did find out that Euroan likes keys. He loves keys. I wish the guy named Keys was the one who got to use the key. And Rosario loves all form of games, including drinking games.
2: The only good thing I can say about this episode is the Redemption Island duel and the boat challenge were shoehorned into the last 15 minutes. But even then, the first challenge was not worth 40 minutes of my life.
0: I don't think that this is a show that deserves a Viking funeral. I don't even hate it. Necessarily. I just pity it at this point. I think I think they really, 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 really need to have a breath of fresh air when producer Rick leaves. Yeah. Because this bullshit cannot continue.
1: Is this why he's leaving? Did wonder if this is the episode that did where he's like, Yeah, this isn't my best work anymore.
0: Is this his Cook Islands? Is he deliberately trying to tank the show at this point?
1: Yeah. Set it ablaze.
2: No one else can use it. <laughs> This was such a quarter assed episode that Rick didn't even bother to do an intro this week.
0: No, the only pre credit stuff was footage of Vans. But anyway, in, in brighter news, Fuzzy got the runtime last week, even though it was the first time she didn't get Bingo this season. And because, as I've mentioned, this is a Tuesday record for the first time this season, we know she hasn't got the banner already. The banner is, as we will get into Anna sleeping on the plane, the one bright spot of this episode, I will also say, me and Bindles have been very sneaky about trying to hide that it was this week that um, was definitely going to be a late record because, as of oh about two hours ago, I got back from visiting my now 92 year old granddad who uh, turned 92 yesterday on Monday, so we went down for the weekend to see him. How's he doing? He's doing well. He's uh, he's got a chest infection at the moment, which which isn't helpful. Um, so he's on. He got more pills on his birthday yesterday, which is uh, very pleasant for him. Did you wrap it up as a gift? No, he had to. He had to go to the chemist yesterday. Oh, I see. See one of your British brethren. But yeah, I spent the weekend with uh, Bindle's contemporaries, otherwise known as staying in an old folks home for the weekend, which was hilarious mm-hmm. fun. Because um, there's a guest suite at his um, directly opposite his flat at the old folks home, so me and Mark stayed there for the weekend.
1: Oh, they have one of those. Yeah, like it's like it would be like within the apartment building where. You get to you get to stay in there if you know somebody who lives in either that building or a nearby building.
0: Yeah, it was a it's basically a guest flight. It was it was quite pleasant, but yeah, we uh, we got to stay in an old folks' home for the weekend. Traitors, UK. I know you'll have thoughts on after last week, Saunders.
1: <laughs> I I like how we did. It's the one time where we disagreed on predictions, and I ended up being correct.
0: Yeah, I mean, as it happens, one of my friends was on. This morning, just doing a regular segment that he does now, but also on this morning yesterday was Harry. So I said to him, basically, congratulate Harry on his win, but tell him that I think his edit was really weird for someone who wins. Like, he did not have a good winner edit.
1: He is so sexist.
0: Yeah, like, he got all the accusations of sexism and misogyny and all that sort of stuff.
1: Oh, Reddit, why does traitors have the worst... Dumbest Reddit I've ever seen in my life. It's like the mole Reddit where, oh, they need to change the rules. What's the incentive? Oh, Molly is an idiot. Molly is not an idiot. Molly is an idiot. Molly is not an idiot. Leave these people alone. Don't leave these people alone. They suck. Harry sucks. No, he's awesome. (sighs) That's my two cents. And then, like, I'm just gonna do Tar Story and Tar Canada stuff for the next uh, week or so. Guys, um, you suck, Reddit.
0: Yeah, I mean, there were some robust discussions on Discord yesterday about how you do solve a problem that I don't think really exists because the way that you tilt it in the direction of the faithfuls if the traitors are being too successful in one series or the traitors if the faithful are being too good is literally just all in the casting. You cast savvier faithfuls if you think the traitors are doing too well. You cast savvier traitors if you think the uh, faithful are doing too well. That's how you do it. I certainly don't think that they thought that this series was going to end up the way it did, because, I mean, it was blatantly obvious from the the edit that Harry received as winner. I didn't like the finale at all. I thought that it was deeply uncomfortable to see a 21-year-old model crying over being betrayed by her best friend in the game. She has now left social media as a result of the backlash of people calling her a moron constantly. Did Gurleen leave social media too? I believe so, yes. I think that it was way more uncomfortable watching Molly cry than it was Gurleen, because Molly is in a very vulnerable position anyway, she's at a very vulnerable age as a 21 year old, she's also in a very competitive, slightly uncomfortable, bitchy industry in modelling. Because she's a
1: disability model too,
0: like... There,
1: I mean, she was so fairly open about it on the show. That, uh, that's um, uh, it, uh, it's a it's a tough situation to be in, both personally and professionally for her. I'm sure.
0: Yeah, not to get too heavy on the podcast when we got to talk about this shit episode eventually, but I thought we already talked about it. <laughs> I talked everything I need to about it. There's some bits <laughs> that I need to talk about from it. Oh, I already said your Owen loves keys. There were a couple of bright spots that we'll get to, but not to get too heavy, I hope that Molly had some good aftercare, and I suspect she probably did, because I would not want to be in her position after what happened in that finale. Was it at least better than the last Australian season? Oh yeah, it was better than the last Australian season, although the ending was significantly less satisfying. Okay. Because it basically boiled down to obvious faithful gets banished, then... Traitor who, everyone suspected gets banished. Then last remaining clever faithful realises that Harry is the final traitor. Tries to convince Molly, who was loyal to Harry all the way through, that Harry was a traitor. He's the only person who says he wants to banish again. She then starts writing Harry's name on the slate, changes her mind about 50 times, and then ends up voting him out and going to the end with Harry. And then Harry breaks her heart.
1: I think it's because uh, with the Canada finale, Magic Mike uh, wasn't too too concerned over Gerline on screen, but Harry repeatedly says after he wins, he's like, uh, I'm kind of happy I won, but I really want to make, but it's my priorities to make sure Molly is okay. And as soon as, uh, when he kept saying that, I was thinking, it's really tough to hate on the guy. He was just, he, he had that role to play and... That's, that's not a guy who felt like he had a clean conscience and when he won. He's like, it was his only option was to just go for that W and then hopefully he can repair things with Molly later, which I would say the audience has been 10 times more brutal to Molly than Harry ever was.
0: Yeah, I believe that they are friendly-ish again now. I think he said he's going to buy her a holiday with his winnings. That's what I mean. Like, who, like Magic Mike didn't do that for Gurley. <laughs> no, and and if you compare Canada and UK2, the ending of Canada was basically how Gerline lost, not how Mike won. The ending of UK2 was how Harry won, and not why the Faithfuls lost. Yeah. I think it's much more palatable if you have a storyline of why the Faithfuls lost, rather than why the Traitors win in this situation, because it's deeply uncomfortable. If you look at the backlash when Seri obviously won... US won. There's a couple of faithfuls who still don't talk to Suri as a result of her moves in that game.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Sari ended up cancelling an AMA for reasons, apparently. Yeah.
0: <laughs> On the plus side, the American one's going to be hilarious this week because Dan is so getting himself banished.
1: Uh, yeah, everyone, everyone is eager to uh, see him get eliminated.
0: He's absolutely going to get himself banished. There's no way that he's going to get away with it this time, I don't think. And it's going to be hilarious.
1: Question is, I wonder if it'll somewhat damage his reality TV legacy.
0: He hasn't done a show since, uh, since BB14, I think. This is the first time he's come out of retirement. It was because he wanted to do Traitors. I mean, what, over 10 years then? Yeah. Uh, I also know we're not a Taskmaster podcast, but I watched Champion of Champions 3 over the weekend as well, and that was fantastic. And the right person won. And the final update with Jeopardy is that they borrowed more clues off us. Despacito, after we mentioned it last week, in a a roundabout (laughs) about songs in um, non-English languages. And the question is the answer round was also borrowed, albeit I did borrow that from US Jeopardy originally. I am hoping it gets a recommission because I would absolutely clean up based on the, uh, the last couple of episodes of that series. And yeah, this is an open call to either traitors or... Jeopardy UK producers cast me for the next series because I would win. I mean, traitors might get a bit uncomfortable because it would definitely clash with Belkia, but we'd make it work. I don't know how it would make
2: it work, but we would.
0: I mean, you guys could do it. You can work out how to edit things. We just have to maybe hide the fact I've disappeared somehow.
2: Just, like, have a soundboard of all yours. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just, just bring out the mythical harmstone soundboard at this point.
1: Chat GPT, mixed with AI... (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh no, if um, if Australia's taught us anything AI is a bad thing to use at the moment Please tell me you read that story, Vindles No There's an Australian senator who um, I think it's seven She told off one of the um, One of the networks because they used a An image of her and, To emphasise a story But mm-hmm. for some reason AI automatically Made her look sexier Oh so it, like, cut off her midriff and gave her bigger boobs, I think it was.
2: Huh. I heard about, like, the Photoshop fail, but honestly, Australian media is so bad, I just didn't even make the connection to AI, I just thought they were incompetent at their jobs again. Like, it wasn't really newsworthy down here.
0: Yeah, apparently um, it was AI-powered Photoshop. Of yeah, Of course. So previously, the final eight did a pricey pub quiz where Justin held the purse strings. A trip round the world in Zona Rosa ended in failure as no one realised what they were meant to be doing and a trip to the luchadors proved fruitless too. At the execution, it was Justin who was counted out as he became the third to be sent home and given a torpedo on his way out. It's day seven in Mexico City and we don't even get the episode title yet. The final seven head to vans where there is an envelope waiting for them and Anna
2: says it's always fun when you get an envelope because that means something happens.
1: <laughs>
2: I guess so. This show should have more envelopes so things actually happen for once.
0: <laughs> and they must divide themselves into three candidates with a hole in their hands who speak a little Spanish, which is your own, uh, own. Ryan. <laughs> your own, <Rihanna> and Anna, <laughs> Logan. How did you know your own speaks Spanish? He's so <laughs> subtle about it.
2: He's only a Spanish-looking man, <laughs>
1: <laughs> not necessarily Spanish-speaking. But we uh, we now know. Uh, your own speaks Spanish and Anna does too oh Jesus just it's always oh okay how many challenges has it been now where it's oh who speaks a little bit of Spanish or this group should have someone who speaks Spanish it feels like it's been every episode and it's always well your Owen's
0: in that group it's at least the last three <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm thinking well yeah your Owen okay in other words, it should just be okay. We need one group that has your Owen in it. Who wants to be with your Owen? Because that, that's really what it's turned into. That was probably the funniest part of the episode. Is that for the final challenge, Anna just outright says, "I want to be in a group that's not with your Owen for once. <laughs> We're always in the same group together because we both uh, we both have the highest level of fluency in Spanish. So please, please, just separate us for once."
0: And the other four are the four who prefer to keep their money close, which is Fon's, Case, Rosario, and Tusca. The episode title is then revealed as Rematch, and they are at the Paseo della Reforma. Rick says that every Sunday, no cows are allowed on the road, and the four who keep their money close are going to be cycling to an antique market where he bought 10 items for €250. Euros. Bullshit, Rick did not buy anything. The others are there now with a budget of €100, and they will buy 10 items that they hope the group of four will assume is more valuable than Rick's. Along the way, they can ring various phone numbers seen on t-shirts to earn more spending money, but of course, there may be some temptations. They will get 30 minutes of calls in total. If they use under 10 minutes, each item that the others bought will be worth €300 if correctly identified. Between 10 and 20 minutes is €200, and 20 to 30 minutes is €100 per item. And they get 45 minutes, and they're on a
2: tandem because of course they are. And the good news, the cyclists get to sit down. Yay! <laughs> but at least they had to dismount
1: from the bicycle to approach the guy on the phone. They're, they were still moving. I'm still counting it as the fact that they were moving in this challenge. At least they were getting from point A to point B.
0: And this is also the suspect list bonus question this week. Where was the mole? Were they riding a bike in the market or sneaking around laying torpedoes?:
1: This is the challenge where I've officially ruled out a case as a suspect. I just refuse to believe a mole would try to pretend to be this gullible. Where at the end of the challenge you said, wait a second. How did you guys only get 400 extra pesos? Something doesn't add up with these phone calls, and I can't figure out what it is.
2: I, I did enjoy at the start of the challenge how they they did that thing where, like, Rick explains the challenge and then the contestant explains it again. But they did it with Case, you know, clearly sort of reciting, like, an exposition that he's been told to say for a challenge he still doesn't understand after it's finished. That's what I noticed
1: this week, too. Every challenge was overly explained. It felt like Big Brother.
2: They had to fill time because there was nothing going on.
1: Yeah, because that was my other observation, because when it, when I found out, oh, it's only a 55-minute episode, but then I thought, I wonder if that's the longest running time for an episode without any quiz or execution to take place. Because usually in a Venom episode, it runs for over an hour, but by about, what, 50 minutes in, you get to the quiz or execution at the latest, typically. So I was thinking, fifty-five minutes without a quiz or execution. I wonder if that's the record.
0: How long were the Elber episodes?
1: Uh, 51?
2: 52 minutes.
0: I can't remember the Elber episodes being that short.
2: How long was the first Netflix episode? Was that? Oh, that day... too
0: bloody long.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was going to say that was sixty minutes roughly. I don't. Yeah. I,
0: I don't they want to like looking... Forty-eight.
1: I thought they were like forty-eight or forty-nine.
0: You're making me look at my Netflix and I don't want to because it'll then start recommending The Mole (laughs) to me again. Ugh. Are you still watching, Michael? No, I'm not. Fuck off.
1: Maybe the first episode and the finale were longer, but I remember them...
0: No, the finale wasn't. The finale was 36 minutes.
1: Oh, right. Oh, yeah. The finale was the the, the 10-minute reunion where we learned nothing.
0: No, don't start playing it. Fuck off. (laughs) 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 Right. How do I look at episodes on here? first episode was 46 minutes in fact they're all they're all pretty much 46 minutes apart from the last one
1: yeah so that's what i mean like 55 minutes and that's gotta that's gotta be the longest without a quiz or executioner unless unless there was something mole australia where they had you know where you're where it was like three hour episodes and
2: oh yeah those episodes <laughs> was super long and half of them didn't do anything or germany i i assume germany would have Done something similar, but still for Vidom.
0: Germany never had any episodes without a test and execution.
1: But I mean, just how like how long, how much running time there was before a quiz or execution.
0: Yeah, they had an execution twist every episode, none of which really landed. But they did have a test and execution every episode. It's one of the few positives of that show.
2: You can tell this episode is really really boring because we're talking about Netflix mole and mole Germany instead <laughs> voluntarily. <laughs> I mean, the most exciting thing in this entire episode is the joke about people being on hold for too long.
0: Yeah. Like, it's such an obvious sabotage that there's no way the mole can be on that side for me. No. And also, thinking about it from a production point of view, you can't have the mole on that side because the mole needs to guarantee that the return twist happens. Otherwise, there's nothing to this episode. Mm. The entire set piece of the second challenge just disappears if they get caught in that market.
2: There was nothing to this episode anyway.
0: Yeah, I know, but the entire set piece for production is hmm. ending with those boxes if Babs or Yip or uh, Justin get caught in the market. What do they do with that second challenge? How do they make it remotely watchable unlike the rest of unlike the version that we saw? Hmm. This could have actually been worse if they'd got caught in the market, is what I'm saying.
1: I don't know, that, at least something would have happened.
0: Yeah, but it would have just ended with, oh, yeah, you've lost 500 euros. See you later. Uh,
1: we, the, speak, speaking of this episode, Euro Owen in the market said that he found old, dusty junk.
0: And then he started looking at antiques.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, was Rick even in the market?
0: I like how the I like how the best
1: thing about this episode is a challenge that involves watching people be on hold.
0: Yeah, I mean the joke was obviously very funny, but seriously, guys, how much money are you going to spend the equivalent of for one yoker? Yeah, we talked about the price of Passfragen many a time. This was ludicrous for one of them.
2: Yeah, eight hundred euros repeatedly. <laughs> yeah, and like it's a funny joke. But it was a funny joke 16 years ago when Big Brother did it in the UK. You need something more, and they didn't have it.
0: And the worst thing about it is the fact we didn't see all the calls here. Four minutes just randomly disappears at some point. To be fair,
1: 55 minutes disappeared for me because I watched this episode.
0: Although there is one big highlight in this challenge for me, and that is when the, the Fallen are in the van... Yip describes euroan as looking like a crazy Spaniard <laughs> wonder what her notes looks like. Her notes is just euroan crazy looking spanish dude <laughs> with
1: glasses
2: i I did like when they were in the van and you could sort of you know when the um market players just walk past you know that that scene i did I did like sort of youran just going around airdrobbing just sort of not paying attention to anything. It looks very, very briefly like Anna notices the camera. She just sort of glances and then looks away. It's like very, very quick. But you can kind of see that she recognizes that there's a camera there. Your own is
1: low key becoming the most entertaining person in this group.
2: Oh, yeah. I was
0: about to say that. Like, we guess that it would be Fonz, maybe. I know you had a thing for Justin in Episode 2, Bindles, but yeah. I think Jeroen is probably the most entertaining person of the season currently.
1: It's funny when he just gets really involved in something because it just becomes his obsession. Gets pure tunnel busy. Flight time and Big Easy could have walked by in front of Jeroen in this market and he wouldn't have
0: noticed. He's just ludicrous. He has big Sinan Chan energy.
1: There could have been a polar bear riding a unicycle in front of your own, and he would have just been having just so much fun in the market, he wouldn't have noticed that either.
0: Yeah. I mean, there isn't a lot else to talk about in this challenge, unsurprisingly. The the fallen players have to find four wrenches, I think it is, hidden in books with Mayan symbols on it, and then dismantle a platform and put their torpedoes in there to form a topo, which will then mean that one of them gets to come back the next day.
1: You would think... Seeing a group of three people in hoodies trying to dismantle a cabinet with wrenches in a Mexican market would draw a lot more attention.
0: Oh oh no, Justin was wearing a big hat and a jean jacket. He had his Canadian tuxedo on.
1: But I've, I, I, I've been through a lot of markets through a lot of different countries, and I have never seen that before, of just three people using wrenches on a cabinet.
2: To be fair, how many times have you seen a cabinet like that in a market? Just in general exactly (laughs) that alone would draw my attention i do kind of wonder if the whole market thing was kind of a decoy to get the um to make sure the second chance scene and they basically did what we think happened with the the cliff and the 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 frida carlo paintings where sort of they they filmed one bit and then came back a bit later and did the other bit because oh yeah like aside from. That team with the van, I don't remember if we ever see them in the same shot at the same time. I think you can see that the
0: eliminated players are milling about the market occasionally. I think you can see Yeroen and Rianne in the distance and stuff. Okay.
1: Was it Yip that says, oh, I just walked by Anna or I walked by Yeroen But we don't see the shot of it. We only hear her telling the other yeah. two.
0: I think the mole from a production standpoint probably had to be on that side in the market just to guarantee it happened because obviously they're not going to put this much effort in and then not have that twist work, even though it would have been hilarious had that happened.
1: And this is the big puzzler for me that I couldn't figure out. In the market, there, did the three, did the trio really all need the trio being uh, Euro and Anna and Rianne? Did they all really need walkie talkies?
0: Well, that's the thing. They all decided to stick together, but that wasn't the intention on the challenge. I think the intention on the challenge was for everyone to split up and therefore make it a bit harder for all the fallen players to actually sneak past them. However, they all decided to stick together and broke the challenge essentially.
1: Because I was thinking that means I was, I was trying to figure out would that be a mole sabotage to keep them together? Then,
0: and like, if you are a mole, you'd want to be spread
1: out, right, for to not be accounted for.
0: Yeah, thinking about the usual logical follow the money tactics, you would say, yeah, the mole needed to be on the bikes, but if the mole needs to guarantee that the return thing happens, they have to be on the market side, I think as soon as you start chucking advantages at people, they are going to burn money from the pot from it. I think you can pretty much guarantee that because for some reason, Vidum loves to cast people who will spend ludicrous amounts of money for advantages in this game. Belkia makes it tougher.
1: My other thinking too is that the mole doesn't sabotage every challenge. So maybe the mole already knew going into this, the challenge I'm going to sabotage are the boat brain teasers.
0: Yeah, and can I also point out They earned €700 of 3000 for the pot in this challenge, which brings them up to 9525 which is already higher than two of Rick's Vidum seasons.
2: Although it does look like we've got a pot drain coming next week.
0: Yeah.
1: €36,000 up for grabs. They're not going to earn €36,000, they're going to lose €8,000.
0: I think, yeah, there is going to be a pot drain, even though them offering 38,640 euros next week, which they haven't offered 38,640 euros this season so far, and more importantly, that is actually doable in the mall money. So obviously they're not going to offer that. That would be
2: ludicrous. There's a shot in the credits of like money going through a paper shredder that sort of we've been paying so little attention to this season that we haven't realised they've been telling us there's a pot dry in the last four weeks.
0: No, I I spotted it and I've been deliberately ignoring it because I hate pot drains and it will irritate me. Um, yes, there is a mole money being shredded scene in the um, in the credits, and it looks like it does happen in the same location as um, the thirty eight thousand six hundred forty euro thing for next week because the lighting looks very similar as well. So, was it Iko Wong that was uh, shredding the money? I did see a suggestion that she should. Um, She should be on a a future Traitors Canada season, and yes, please. (laughs) Can you imagine I up against the wall with uh, Traitors? Oh, oh. that would be delicious. So the buyers end their 45 minutes and get nine items with the money. The calls lasted 22 minutes 53, so they only earn €100 per item, and they identify the lamp, the pipe, the fish, the guitar, the letter opener, the glasses, and the crazy tea thing for a total of €700 of 3000 Fon saying Cole's case a gullible bastard, but also the Cole's cost the group a lot of money, and Rick tells the dropouts to enjoy their trip to the coast as everyone is
2: heading to Merida. There's one sight gag in the market challenge that I actually really liked. It's when Rowan and Rian are talking about that little fake fish that Eeroen found. Anna walks up to them holding basically half the market in her hands. And it, it, honestly, if we didn't have the airplane picture of her sleeping, I probably would have pushed for that to be the banner.
0: Just the the ludicrous dichotomy on it.
2: Yeah. Like little tiny fish, and then, you know, 200 kilos worth of stuff.
0: From a mole point of view, if you were on the market side, what would be your tactic?
1: I guess I just try to... Well, I mean, they did only buy nine items instead of ten, so clearly there could have been a little bit of sabotage. they not just a huge amount, just to uh, make sure a couple, knowing a couple hundred euros wasn't going to go into the pot so i guess just find some item that somebody gets attached to and then just really push for or endorsing that item for being purchased for a higher amount of money knowing it would eat a significant portion of their budget and screw them over for
2: the rest of the market yeah it, it did kind of feel like i think it was anna had the idea to get you know one really big item and then a bunch of like little items but then with the way that the end of the challenge worked, those little items, they would have been picked off obviously, they wouldn't have won any money with them. The other thing
0: I was thinking of is potentially, with there being definitely a certain amount of time missing from the calls, could the mole from the market side have rung the numbers as well? Oh,
2: that's a good idea.
0: Because there's so much footage missing from that market, because obviously the focus is on the returning aspects of it. There is definitely at least four minutes that just disappears without anyone ringing. And there's a lot of, oh, we didn't ring that much after the challenge. So potentially in six weeks time, we will see at the reunion that the mole borrowed a phone in the market or something and rang one of the numbers. Especially if one of the numbers gives a hint of who the mole is, which I've just thought of at the same time. Because anytime you see a number string on this show, you know there's going to be a hint in it somewhere.
1: I can't believe how gullible Case was during this challenge where Fonz is on the phone and he sa- says the birth date. And then Fonz says, oh, I just had to say something to uh, double the amount of money we could get. And Case says, oh, all right, okay, all right, very good. And then, uh, then at, at the end of the challenge, Case says, oh, did Fonz tell the truth to me there? Uh, I don't know. I don't really know. I just... Uh... And you can tell it was a producer-prompted question. So you assume that Case didn't even consider up until that question was asked uh, that Fonz was potentially deceiving him while talking on the phone where Case says, oh, yeah, did he really tell me the truth there? I I just assumed he did.
0: And the other important thing is that Fonz says that the cyclists had decided not to tell the others that they all had the yoker each. And he also reveals to the group that Justin willed him the pot and he lies to them about needing to keep the pot until the next test and Tuska says that she's sad she wasn't willed it by Justin. And the next morning, they fly to Merida. When was the last time they actually visibly flew mid-season?
2: They didn't do it in South Africa, because they drive everywhere. Not Czechia. Albania. Albania and and Czechia, they were too close together. Not Renaissance. Not Renaissance, unless they they flew back from uh, Elba to the mainland, but I doubt it. I think it's probably Georgia. Yeah. It's been a while, anyway.
1: Yeah, not, I don't remember China or Colombia.
0: China was only two cities, and I don't think we actually saw how they got between them, but presumably it was car. Um And then they haven't actually travelled that far in any of the other seasons. Mm. At least since Georgia. And I mean, Georgia's a cop-out, because obviously they started in five different countries, but actually in terms of mid-season, I don't think they've done it since Hong Kong, Philippines. Which is ludicrous.
1: Hmm. Ten years? Yeah. A decade?
0: Yeah. (laughs) So Case says he always flies for work with a cameraman and with his son and sometimes a victim. And (laughs) And then there is the sight gag of them just Cutting to an incredibly unflattering shot of Anna sleeping on the plane. That has no business being in this episode, but it really did make me laugh.
1: Do you know what makes somebody that more, much more likely to be them all Is if it's a season that's been where everyone hasn't really had to put too much effort in, so everyone is completely wide awake except for one person who just gets completely KO'd on the plane. I'm thinking, well, that might be the person who
0: has to just work just a little bit harder than everybody else. It just really tickled me because there's no reason to include it in the episode. But on top of all that, given how boring the past two and a half episodes have been at this point, it is the perfect representation of my thoughts on this season to make the banner this week, Anna absolutely Sparco on the plane that only appears for like, A second and a half at most, it was a pain in the arse to screenshot properly. But screenshots it I did, it is the banner, and Fuzzy is wrong. Fuzzy guessed I would make it a Rick banner this week, and
2: she is wrong. (laughs) Remember when we thought this season had potential? That
1: first episode was incredible, and then it's worse, worser, and worstest.
0: It's been a long three weeks.
2: (laughs) It's been 84 years.
0: And Rick returns to tell us that the seven unsuspecting candidates have flown to Merida with 9,525 euros. In Merida, someone will return, but who? And then, yeah, then this episode just gets even worse because we have to sit through a challenge so shit they probably would have rejected it for Redemption Island for a duel.
1: Yeah, this one's, yeah, that's true. This wouldn't have been allowed on Survivor. No. In the Redemption Island arena.
2: My only note for the entire challenge is it's kind of stupid that after such an involved challenge yesterday it comes down to stack some rocks.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and my one note and on this is watching people do puzzles at speed is fascinating. <laughs> so the first person to stack their tower completely gets six keys, the second gets three and the final one just gets one key which is a 10% chance of returning. Yep. That's the challenge. Worth zero? Nothing. No euros. Nothing. And arguably, we do get the funniest outcome of it, which is, of course, first boot Babs being the most likely person to come back after being missing from this game for three weeks. <laughs> and she's most likely
1: coming back.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think probably about a 60% chance. Given the analysis, Babs is probably going to be the one to come back. Just yep. putting it out there.
1: Based on the edit of, uh, oh, I can't believe Babs went home first. She's such a great contestant. I can't believe Babs is gone. Hmm. How many confessions have we had of that in like episodes two and three? Right.
0: It's more based on the fact that I'm assuming Bindle's has seen the same screenshot that I have of uh, Jason analyzing which keys were where. Yeah. And the fact that it's almost certain that your own picked one of the keys that was
2: a sixty percent chance. So therefore, yeah. it's perhaps it's definitely not the yip key because that's the one right next to the camera, and they picked the one at the back.
1: They could have. To... I don't get why they didn't do anything with the. Why was Stack Rocks no money, no twists, no yokers, didn't involve any of the other seven contestants? What were they thinking?
0: Well, the, the best thing about this no, is no, no. Rick then comes back and reveals that they're going to get lots in boxes. But What happens when the other two boxes aren't opened? Do they get opened as well and we get to say goodbye to them properly, or do they just disappear at this point?
2: They get shipped back to the Netherlands in those boxes.
0: That would be amazing. <laughs>
1: Maybe those are the victims that Case was talking about.
0: So the final seven head to Celestun, and they must split into two groups, each with someone who loves games and is good at them. And it's Anna, Fons, Case, and Rosario as one team, and Rianne Tuska, and Jeroen as the other. On each boat is a box full of puzzles, and they have to open them one at a time and solve them, otherwise it will cost the pot money. If they complete all the puzzles, they can earn €3,500 Euros for the pot, and they've got 20 minutes to solve as many as they can.
1: Did you know Quebec's a country? And Guatemala, apparently, is not a country. And Western Africa, not a country. Western Sahara, also not a country. Uh, Wallonia, not a country. Maybe in the future. Maybe in the future.
0: There was also a a question mark over how the hell they got to €3,500 on this, because from looking at the envelopes, they could only get up to 3300 I believe.
2: So, I I don't know how they... Got to three thousand five hundred, um, but I can work. I can make the the end result where they lose five hundred work because um, they both get the circles right. Uh, they both get the squares wrong. They both get the triangles wrong. They both get the geography wrong. Um, so they win three hundred with the circles, lose two hundred with the squares, two hundred with the triangle, five hundred with the geography. Then with the cubes, Tosca doesn't get the thumbprint right. If you look closely, she's got two corners the wrong way around. So I'm assuming they lose the money there. But then Anna gets it right. Or, well, Case gets it right. So, yeah, they get one cube right and one cube wrong. They get the maze right that uh, Rosario does. And then that that puts you... I think that puts you about 100 away from where you need to be. Uh, No, that puts you 50 away from where you need to be. So then the three challenges that we don't see, the maze for the other group and then the one that neither of the groups are shown doing. You can see from the envelopes that those are both 150 if you get it right and then 100 off if you get it wrong. So as long as they get one of them right and then two they get fined for whether they either get it wrong or just don't do it or whatever and they just get fined for not doing it, it works out to minus 500.
0: You've got to assume that they did the maze correct given that that is by far the easiest puzzle in the entire box.
2: Yeah. So if if they... get the maze correct, and then both of them lose on the other thing, which apparently, I can't remember where I saw it, but apparently it was basically using a selfie stick to take a photo of something on the side of the boat or something, which doesn't seem like the sort of thing you could fail, but, you know, it's these people.
0: It was probably the, there were big strings of alphanumeric code on the side of the boat, which I'm convinced would have been a clue. Yeah, yeah. So I suspect it was going to be that. Uh, so yeah, as as we said, Rianne tries claiming West Africa as a country, and and ends up screaming Qatar at the top of his voice. <laughs> you should just
1: throw that randomly in the middle of this podcast. Qatar.
0: Anna struggles with the Rubik's Cube despite claiming she's good at it and stalls for so much time, which is probably the best mole tactic there. The case solves it in six further moves. Then they return to the dock where Rick tells them that the games went a bit wrong. They earned minus 500 euros of 3,500 for the challenge, 200 euros of 6,500 for the episode, and 9,025 of 24,993 for the season so far. Why don't you give them an extra 7 euros, you pricks, and make it 25 grand? Rick also tells them to pick one of 10 keys to open a box, and your own volunteers as he loves keys. He picks a key and it opens the left hand box containing a mystery candidate. Who is cliffhangered? And do you know what the worst thing about this cliffhanger is? It's the fact that in the next time trailer last week for this episode, they literally used that scene. There has been no resolution for over a week on this because they ended the next time trailer with your Rowan opening a random box and smiling at whoever's in there. And that's literally how this episode ends. There's no additional resolution. It's so annoying.
1: Do you think your Rowan has a kid named Keys?
0: Um, I think, given what we've seen of Yaroad, he probably should not procreate at this point.
2: Yeah.
1: Qatar!
2: With what we've seen of Yaroad, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a kid named Belarus.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, um, Belarus was the only W country in uh, Dutch as well.
2: Dutch is not a real language.
0: So next time, there's a horse-drawn carriage ride. Fonz counts flags. Rick tells them... 38,640 euros are at stake. Jeroen and two skate pinatas, and Rick offers another dilemma that is almost certainly going to end up being a pot drain, and we are going to swear in six days' of time. The Netherlands suspects this week are Case with 22%. He's now overtaking Anna, who's on 19%, Rian with 15%, Fons with 14, own with 12, Tuske with 9, Rosario with 8, Babs with 1, and Yep, and Justin both on zero. Final three questions. Who do you suspect? Who's coming back? And who's going home next?
1: Uh, So, yeah. So, my suspect list in order. Anna, Fonz, Rianne, Tuska, Heroin, Rosario, Case, Babs is coming back, and... Let's see. Maybe...
2: Rosario goes home? Again. (laughs) Again? Uh, So, Anna, still. And then, just... All the rest just sort of completely just listed randomly. Jeroen, Tuska, Rian, Keys, Fons, Rosario. Babs is coming back, but she's not the mole. Like, I, even aside from everything else, I don't think you put yourself in a situation where you have a 40% chance, at best, of the mole getting eliminated, staying eliminated, and then having nothing to do for the last five episodes of the season.
0: Yeah, this is the thing. Like, if the mole is in a box... They are going to have had to rig those keys somehow, and I don't yeah. know how. I don't know how you do it from a standards and practice point of view, because you can't real if it is Babs. Say you can't really tell Justin and Yep. Oh yeah, you've definitely got a forty percent chance combined when they actually have a zero percent chance. That's just bullshit.
2: Yeah. So I think I think we can rule out Babs or whoever's coming back. It's Babs. And going home next week. Um, I, I feel like the way we've been getting big edits for people, like just before they get eliminated, like we had the big edit for Justin in episode two, the big edit for Yip in episode one, and then Babs as well. I feel like maybe Case next week. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. If it's not Babs herself.
0: Case has had a massive edit the past two weeks. Yeah. Which is presumably why the Dutch public suspects him with 22%. So it would continue the pattern if he goes. Obviously, I don't really mind who it is as long as it's someone from Michelle's team because of what I'm about to say next, which is that if Babs returns, she does join whoever loses someone next week under the normal rules of if anyone's left over. If Yip and Justin come back, they join their original teams. If Babs comes back... She joins the team of whoever loses the next person. So if it is Casey who goes, Babs goes on to Michelle's team and Michelle is condemned with the obvious non-mole
2: candidate here. And the best news, because we can work out it's not Yep, that means Logan is still the first boot. Yes, it does. You are correct. Yeah,
0: that does work in in our favour if it does end up being a final four. I will also say on first suspicions, suddenly Logan putting Babs not last might have been a good idea here. I mean, it still wasn't. It's, it's 100% not her. But you might earn yourself some points next week, so on to that or that. Uh, on the suspect list as well, obviously, because everyone's technically back in the game for this episode, you do get to rank everyone from 1 to 10 this week. If you haven't already used your yoga, I would potentially suggest you do it this week because you're guaranteed more points. You're pretty much guaranteed some points this week, no matter who you you put money on. As long as you don't put One of Babs, Yip, and Justin at number one, let's be honest. Uh, My order is Anna, Jeroen, and Tuska, as well as my top three. Then Rianne, Case, Fonz, and Rosario, and then Babs, Justin, and Yip. Oh, that's the same order I have. Yeah, it is. I mean, I wrote this down, what, two days ago at this point? Because I was doing Mm. all my notes on Sunday. So yeah, it's quite impressive that we did manage to match. Yeah. Babs is obviously coming back. We pretty much know it at this point. And yeah. Case or Rosario? One of the two? I mean, as long as it guarantees Michelle gets Babs, I don't really care. Uh, Have you guys got anything else you want to say about this episode that we somehow have managed to mine the best part of an hour of recording out of? What? Yeah, I know.
1: (laughs) Well, half of it wasn't even about the episode. (laughs) I think 20 minutes of it was about traitors.
0: Yeah, it probably was. Anything else you want to say? No. Just say no so I so can do the outro. No. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our vs 2024 <laughs> recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for another new role in Mexico. Don't forget to contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are, TV Warriors, or you can email us, contact us at contact at at rtvwarriors.com. Logan's on the artist formerly known as Twitter at Logsapkowacki. Bindles is a grooming capo, and I'm MJ Helmstone. we can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash rtvwarriors. Thank you, as always, to Marika for the subtitles, and we will see you next week, assuming we don't kill ourselves out of boredom. Peace out, and just chill till the
2: next uh, flavoring. Oh shit, this episode was so boring I forgot to do an outro. Trust.
1: Qatar!